Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program was first broadcast on FNR Digital Radio on Sunday, September 6th, 2015. For more information, visit www.unresolvedshow.co.uk. Previously on Unresolved. What's the first what's the first month I need to look for? Basically anything from winter nineteen ninety-nine onwards. Maybe Jan two thousand. That was when Mark Thompson first got in touch with Maggie. So okay, so can you go through exactly what happened? I called the police and said I'd heard from not heard from my friend James in what I think was like a, a, a couple of months at that point, and that he'd been out on this date, and that was the last I'd heard. Why exactly are you so keen to find this man that you would pay me? Pay your pardon? I mean, do you have some vested interest? He's... Well, he's my friend. And so that's when you found the link between your father and James's? Well, eventually, yes. The overly short version of this is that Philip Logan and my father, Sean, well, they were pilots together in the Second World War. And then, after a couple of years, in uh, 2002 it was, I was visiting the house of new potential clients by the name of Laura and Thomas Ray. I'm being stalked. I'm being stalked by a guy I went on a date with, just one date with like 2005.
So, at the tail end of last week's episode, Maggie and the version of Maggie I have on tape from 2002 both dropped a bombshell on me. After struggling to find James for some two years and having gotten herself seriously obsessed over ties between his father and hers in the interim, Maggie had been told that James was back in London and that he was up to no good. That weirdly, he'd been stalking Laura. Well, she'd seen him out and about, looking at her, following her. He brought her flowers, that sort of thing. We were in the communal room at Hampton, and Maggie was finally beginning to open up about details, about what happened in the years leading up to Laura's eventual death. Well, the poor girl seemed very stressed about the whole thing. Of course, I didn't tell her why I was so keen to track Logan down. I didn't think she needed to know. You mean... There's stuff about your dad? Hmm. But it didn't really matter. How so? Well, the thing of it was, well, I suppose just knowing he was back on the scene and knowing as I did that his house in Highgate was still listed in his name meant that, well, I knew exactly where to go. But before we get to that, I think I should fill in a gap in our chronology. Until speaking to Maggie and listening to her many, many dictaphone tapes, my understanding of events rang like this. James Logan goes missing in the winter of 1999. Mark Thompson hires Maggie to find James. Something, something, something. Maggie kills James, presumably around the same time, and then knocks Laura down in 2005. But actually... The story starts just before that. It starts on a first date gone wrong. She was like the opposite of a man eater, if that makes sense. I mean, she never really knew what she was doing when it comes to that stuff. That's Tom Ray talking, Laura's brother. I'd called him up again to try and get some more info on how the whole thing started. And then exactly what their dealings with Maggie entailed. So she'd had this long-term uh, relationship with a guy just out of uh, university that lasted a couple of years. Nice guy, but for the most of it, her 20s, she was single. Um, it, I feel really bad for saying this now, but it was a bit of a joke between us, you know? Like, I'd make fun of her and call her, you know, like a crazy cat lady and all that kind of stuff. So then she started online dating? Not online. I mean, online dating then was, I mean, it wasn't Tinder, obviously. I think at that point, the only people meeting online were oddballs, you know. But she she started looking at the ads and the personal bits in the papers. She, uh... Sorry. No, no, that's... Ah, hey, that that's cool. I'm oh, I'm sorry. We can move on if you'd like. No, um, no. It's it's okay. It's uh, it's just uh, she'd been looking at these fucking personal ads, and and I was the one who like pushed her into actually acting on them. And that was James Logan's ad. Yeah. 
So, uh, so look, I, I know this isn't my fault. I, I've gone past thinking it was, and but it's not hard. But it's hard not to, you know, see the role I played in everything. Tom's being harsh on himself here. He explained that Laura had James's personals ad up on her fridge for a while and that he eventually goaded her into organising a date with the man he remembers, describing himself as shy, navel-gazing and specky. But he couldn't have known what would happen next. They'd arranged to meet up in a pub in Central for drinks. I think I told them not to do a meal because they were a nightmare to get out of those things if they go badly. And how did it go? Uh, not, not good. Can you remember what happened? Uh, I remember she was shaken up, uh, pretty shaken up over the fact that he tried to basically force himself onto her at the end of the day. He tried to rape her? Not rape, no, not, not rape. Uh, I remember she said that the whole night was a bit of a dud, um, that he seemed not to be in the room, vacant, you know, as if he wasn't into her. So she was surprised, I guess, when it was the end of the night and he got all forceful and insisted that they have more drinks. And then when they left, he apparently tried to kiss her and she was having none of it. I think she said she slapped him or, or punched him or something like that. Yeah, so that's a pretty bad date. Oh, I know. I shouldn't really have been this glib. Sorry, Tom. But either way, this information was fresh and it made the case even more strange than it already was. James took Laura out on this terrible date and then disappears, only to apparently resurface three years later. So anyway, then he turns up and he starts stalking her, totally out of the blue. And this was in 2002? Sorry? And this was in 2002, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, she was at work and received some flowers from a JL. James Logan? Yeah, she saw him in a park or something near her work. Said he was watching her. So you went to the police? So, yeah, we go to the police. and uh, But I went with her and they more or less said they couldn't do much based on that, based on just the flowers and that. And that's when you went to Maggie Hollis to, I guess... Stalk the stalker? Yeah, and that's, that's when we went to Maggie Hollis. And obviously, everything from there just gets confusing, especially considering I don't think Laura ever heard from her again. Well, it's not exactly Romeo and Juliet, is it? Botched first date. Boy goes missing, boy stalks girl years down the line. Maggie was fairly cold about the whole thing. Perhaps rightly. She's no doubt been over all this a lot in her mind. So you believe that this date happened? You you think they did go on a date in 1999? Well, why would I not? I guess, oh, I just mean... There's so much going on here that I want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Well, then you've got your work cut out for you, Miss Drew. Why's that? Well, for one thing, nobody believes what I say. Laura Ray and James Logan did go on a date in 1999. Of course they did. 
and he did then go missing, and I was hired to keep tabs on him. By Mark Thompson? Hmm. But then I'm afraid that's about where my version of events and everybody else's begins to separate, I'm afraid. How do you mean? I mean, whose version is right? This question was a mistake, clearly. Maggie said nothing for a few moments and then stood from her chair and instructed Dr Edwards that she had a headache, that our interview needed to be over. But then, as she was leaving and as I was gathering my things, she turned back and said this. You know, it's not my job to unravel the truth, Miss Drew. It's yours. job to unravel the truth. That's my producer, Rob. What do you think she meant by that? Uh, well, for one thing, I think it means uh, I think she thinks she's innocent. And everything? Of something? The official verdict is she killed both Laura and James. So... <laughs> So, I mean, the the fact that she mentioned the truth, like the concept of the truth being elusive somehow, that's exciting. Mm. So, like, what happens now? It was a good question. A great question. Where did I go from there? I figured there was still lots more I could gather from the surviving parties, the ones I didn't need a visitor's badge to be able to question. Before she ended our last talk, Maggie mentioned two things. One was that her version of events split from what I'm tentatively going to call reality very soon after being hired by Laura. And the second was that she had elected to fit James Logan's front door with a kind of electronic tracker. And this, no pun intended, rang a bell. Yeah, she claims to have had that tracker thing above the door from what, uh, 2002 at least? This is Mark Thompson again, the one who first noticed James was missing. Earlier, more like late uh, 2000, I think. That was when she started to get a bit obsessed with stuff to do with James, uh, James's father and hers. Yeah, I don't believe her. About what? About the tracker, the dates on that. Why not? Because if it's true, Look, I've heard the tape, heard the 2002 one, I mean, but it's bullshit. It claims that James was still alive then, and that's, it's just not the case. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so it's time to make a few things clear. First is Maggie's tracking device. When she first became, uh, shall we say, overly interested in James Logan and his father, she decided to make sure she'd be first to know when or if the former might return home. As she mentioned, after all, James's house was still listed in his name. Someone was still paying for it. And since James had clearly spoken to the police around the time of his first disappearance to say that he was fine, that he didn't want to be found... Maggie assumed that one day he might return. To ensure that she'd know when, she used a tracker. You can buy these from Amazon for not all that much. And while they're a bit morally dubious, Maggie insists that they're a PI's best friend. They're about the size of a box of matches, come in different colours to match different paintwork, and they affix to the top of the doorframe. From there, the little box fires an invisible infrared beam down at the floor, which is interrupted by the door opening. You would not, say the scores of reviews I found online, notice that this has been put in place because, hey, when was the last time you really looked at the top of your front door? So with this in place, above James's porch, she was all set. The only problem? Well, problems, actually, plural. One is that you need to return to the tracker every now and then to replace the battery. The other? Well, I'll let Maggie's tapes explain. March 6th, 2001. Logan device triggered, though no sign of re-entry. May have been a cat or other. May 19th, 2001. Went round to Logan's, device triggered again. Leaflet about the election sticking out of the letterbox. Postman or leafletter. May 27th, 2001. Logan device triggered. Trip to Highgate. Can see stack of posters grown through the glass since last visit. No signs of entry. Postman likely cause of alarm. There are lots of these incidents. Dozens, in fact. Times where Maggie would make a long trip all the way to Highgate to find nothing. Just a leaflet or the postman. In short, it was a good idea, but a pretty fruitless one. And it got to the point that after a while, she simply started ignoring the alerts. But then, 
Two things happened in extremely quick succession. One was this whole business with Laura Ray being stalked by James. Another, on the very same day as her first meeting with Laura and Tom, was the device being triggered yet again. And this time, it wasn't the postman. So this is where the sensor was? Yeah, you can um, see, look, you can see where the, where the paint slightly faded. It's not often when it comes to reopening and re-exploring years-old cases that you get intimate access to the scene of the crime. But here we are. I now live at James Logan's old place. In the years since, the house has been turned into two flats. I live upstairs where James's body was found. And there's a young couple downstairs, who I won't name, but who, when I asked, didn't seem at all that interested in finding out what went down in 2005. Anyway, Rob and I were outside the house, trying to reenact, or at least imagine, a pivotal conversation caught on one of Maggie's many tapes. Okay, so Maggie knocks on the door and doesn't hear anything, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a reasonable gap between the knocks, mm. right? Okay, I won't hold out on you anymore. In Maggie's enormous pile of tapes, there's an outlier. There's one with a strip of highlighted text on the cassette cover, a bright yellow beacon pointing to something important. The text, handwritten in capital letters, reads, Logan returns June 11th, 2002. But it's not just the prophetic label and the colour that helps this one stand out. It's also the only tape with just one recording on it. Most of them have hours of Maggie's thoughts on them, of different cases and mundane observations and her daily comings and goings. But this one just has one single recording of one single interaction. And it's also the only recording we have in which Maggie and James speak. Allegedly, anyway. Ready for this? Okay, here we go. June 11th, 2002. James Logan, if you're in there, can you answer the door? My name's Maggie. I need to ask you some very important questions. James? James, I know you're home. I need to speak to you. About your father. Je James! I Fuck off! Fuck off! Leave me alone! And that's it. That's all we have. A muffled recording of someone that we are led to believe is James Logan, alive and well in 2002, running away from his house, from my house, and disappearing. Like, is it actually James? My producer, Rob, again. You mean it might be a fake? Maybe. It could be anyone. I mean, it could be any time. I mean, I could just write 2002 on any old bit of tape. Doesn't doesn't date it. <sighs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the plot thickens, Hercule. 
So, do you not think it's him? Um, I mean, I, I can say. I didn't know the guy. And now we've arrived at one of the biggest and most divisive mysteries in the whole case. Is this recording actually James Logan? And perhaps more importantly, was it actually recorded in June 2002, as its label suggests? If we go right back to the start of the case, one of the weirdest parts about the whole thing was the level of decomposition of James's corpse when he was discovered in 2005. He had, by the coroner's account, been dead at that point for several years. That's way dead. Not to get too macabre about it. Hey, you're the one listening to a show about murder here. But by that point in the process, you're pretty skeletal. I spoke to Dr Henry Westcott, Professor of Crime and Forensic Science at UCL, to explain. So it can take quite a long time for a, for a body to fully lose its skin and fluid, to, to fully skeletonize. How long exactly? It really depends on a whole bunch of different factors. So um, the biggest ones are the location and temperature. So with the body you're discussing here, uh, it was left inside, right? Yeah, inside, in a room in a house for a number of years. So in that case, it might take four, it might take five years to reach the kind of skeletal state that you'd see in a classroom, maybe more. Um, I know, for example, that there have been laboratory cases where a body kept at room temperature still has some of the tissues and fluids after five or more years. And there are lots of other factors that we don't know the measure of yet, too. Um, People's skin density plays a part, for example. Right. So I'm led to believe that this body was identified at the time as being several years old. How accurate a date would you get for that kind of thing? Can people pinpoint an exact day, week, month, year? How, 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 how does it work? Mm, that, that kind of time frame is actually quite an interesting one. I think it's safe to say that the vast majority of bodies in these cases, well, at least in my knowledge, are found much sooner than that. If your body is only a, a few days or a few weeks old or so, things are easier. And the pathologist on the scene will be looking for one of a long list of processes that naturally occur immediately after death. You mean like rigor mortis? Rigor mortis, liver mortis, alga mortis, bloating, skin slipping, insect activity. There are lots of the uniform stages of putrefaction that happen along a fairly standard timeline. And that helps you work backwards to a time of death. Again, temperature and setting and, and the like will affect this, but it's normally quite straightforward to work backwards from there. Well, on the other hand, in the really long term, if you have um, forensic archaeology, which uses carbon dating to with the time of death, um, that's precise to a few years. But with your body here, I think it would be trickier because it's kind of in that middle zone. Sure. So you're saying that there might be quite a wide margin for error in terms of the time of death? There are ways of narrowing things down, but probably nothing too concrete in this kind of case. Uh, you said the victim was bludgeoned? Yeah, with a clothesline. 
does the method help with the time of death? Well, not exactly. But there is some really interesting research being done in the field to do with how blood breaks down over time. If, you presume, your murder weapon and the surrounding area would carry the victim's blood stains, there's now evidence to say that you can measure how the messenger ribonucleic acid, or the mRNA, how those molecules break down over time. It's in the research stages at the moment, so I know that doesn't really help you. But at the end of the day, the situation you have here depends on how eager they were to narrow down the exact time. Because obviously the more you look into these things, the more expensive they are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So you mean it's not always a priority? Uh, It's not really a priority to really dig in if your pathologist can give a reasonably concise time frame from the outset. No. If the pathologist can say roughly when the person died, that's often enough. Especially in cases when, you know, that's not the principal part of the thing. In cases where it's not going to be contested, that is. So in this case, saying something like the person has been dead for several years may well have been satisfactory. So, with all that being the case, what's the deal? When did James die? I wanted to go back to Mark, just about the only person I have access to who knew James, to get his take. Oh, and, full disclosure, the following conversation took place before my earlier phone call. I'm honestly not intentionally muddling things up here. I just want to try and give you, as the listener, something I wish I had before I unscrambled things. A sense of order about everything. So you think that's James? Yeah, that's James's voice. With what level of confidence? You know this isn't my first time hearing this, right? Yeah, I know. Sorry, I just... I went through all of this when the court case happened, and, you know, and I went through it with Hollis before that. Maggie? She presented me with this recording as a a courtesy, I suppose. I'd not spoken to her in a pretty long time, and she... She asked me to meet and played me that and was all like, he's alive. I was stupid to think of it all now, as if she and I were friends. And what was your reaction then? Yeah, I mean, that's James on the tape, but I don't think it happened when she said it did, so... Because of the coronary report? Because all that really said was that he'd been dead for several years? More the fact that I don't trust that woman at at all, really. But what about the fact that Laura claimed he was stalking her. Because, I mean, Laura spoke to Maggie about that on the exact same day that this tape was recorded. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. I mean, that's always seemed convenient to me, convenient to Maggie's story, because it's like, help me, James is stalking me, and that's the exact same day he just shows up at his house. And then there's this tape as proof. I mean, quite handy if you're trying to make out that he was alive when he wasn't. I mean, there's there's no proof about this stalking, is there? Mm, no, not not as such. But I mean, 
I don't want to call anyone a liar, but it just it just seems odd to me. Always has done. So, I mean, what's your take on things? I think, I want to think that James, for, for whatever reason, went missing when I said he did. Then he was alive for a brief while, and then Maggie Hollis killed him before 2002. And why would she do that? It seems to me she became obsessed with him, all that stuff with her dad. Whatever the case, I think she's guilty. I think she killed my friend in his home, and I think she tried to set it up that she didn't with those wonky tapes. And now I think, frankly, she's in the right place because of it. And I guess that's fair enough. After all, to him, it looks as though I'm working to vindicate the woman who killed one of his best friends and to prove him a liar in the process. It's tricky like that when you're coming in cold on something and trying to get every side of the story. In the interest of balance, here's Maggie's take, taken over the phone after I found the tape. Yes, that's him. That's James Logan. I tried to give chase, but you know. He had several decades on me at that point. And, okay, I need to be blunt here, Maggie. Are you sure that happened in 2002? Why? Well, I mean... What's the date on the tape sleeve? June 2002. And since you started running this investigation, when have you known my records to be in any way erroneous? No, I guess that's fair. It's just... Well, it's just that the date on the tape doesn't match up with the date by which Logan should already have been dead. I know. And it's problematic. But it's more problematic than you might think, truth be told. Um, why is that? Because James Logan actually returned to London again a year later. Um, sorry? Hmm. I'm guessing from that that you missed something quite interesting in the 2003 tapes. Next time on Unresolved. He had a word with me about it once years ago. Said that he hated his dad, which is understandable. We've been over this, haven't we, Miss Drew? In so much as you told me you believe that Philip Logan, James's father, killed your father. Well, that's not exactly what I said, though, is it? I worry, though, with respect, that you've fallen victim to something that a lot of people in this field have to be wary of. Getting too attached to the testimony of people who are quite mentally unwell.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.